Hey, what's up, Long Beach? I'm your host, Julia Goldman, and you're listening to Season 4, Episode 1 of Artist Banter, an original podcast created and produced by CSU Long Beach's student-run news publication, The Daily 49er. This semester, we're returning to showcase the conversations and many manifestations of artistry within our local scene. To kick off the start of Season 4, I have a very special guest on the show today, CSU Long Beach's own Director of Choral Activities, Dr. Jonathan Talberg. Hi! Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So if I'm not incorrect, you're entering your 24th year at the Cal State Long Beach Institution, right? Well, I'm halfway through my 24th year at Long Beach. Yeah, I started I started here in, in 2000. Congratulations. Thanks. Almost. It's been a good run. I actually just found out tonight that my predecessor, who was here the longest, Frank Pooler, um, was here for 28 years. So I'm only four years away from beating his record. Wow. So... In your time here as the choral director and conductor, you've gone on to lead um, our Bob Cole Conservatory Chamber Choir to perform with um, groups such as the Los Angeles Masters Chorale, Kronos Quartet, Pacific Symphony, and even the Rolling Stones. Performing with these notable music groups and even, even traveling to perform and compete, could you tell me about what these experiences give you uh, and what leads to these experiences? Well, I, th- I think that, you know, most of the students who are here in the Bob Cole Conservatory in the voice area, and I'm talking about voice majors or music majors at this point, <clears throat> because you talked about the, the, the chamber choir. Of course, we have seven ensembles here at, at Cal State Long Beach, but the Bob Cole Chamber Choir is the one that does most of the touring and um, has sung with, with the Rolling Stones and with the Master Chorale, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I think the big thing that we get from that is an opportunity to do what it is that we're studying, you know, and, and to, to when, especially when you're touring the world, you get a real experience of what it's like to be on the road, which is a, a really big part of being a professional musician. You know, being on the road is one of the hard things that you have to learn how to do. And of course, for choral singers, the opportunity to sing in great acoustical spaces is a really important part of their training. So you know, a lot of my singers have never had the opportunity to sing in, you know, King's College, London, let alone record an album in there, which we were able to do, or to sing in the Sistine Chapel or to do mass in St. Peter's Cathedral. I mean, we, we've done all of those things, and each one of those is just a life-affirming experience with a lot of educational um, benefit to the students. That's beautiful. What sort of, like, reception have you heard from the students about these kinds of trips that brings them well i think i i think you know the, the 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 biggest thing and this is actually something that i learned from a guy who's was president here many many years ago um bob maxson and he said to me once you know students don't flock to mediocrity and we have hundreds and hundreds of students applying for the conservatory and auditioning every year and i think that's because all of our ensembles are just really really excellent and we do go on tours and we do i mean the the wind symphony is headed to washington dc next week um the the chamber choir went to cincinnati and to italy and slovenia last year the university choir um went to hawaii i mean just Touring, the opportunity to get out of your normal routine is such a part of the life of professional musicians. And it it really is a, it's a reason to come to school here, quite frankly. I mean, the fact that we are able to do those things and that, you know, we have wonderful, um, wonderful patrons and donors who help us. Um, I am an endowed professor, which means that I have a certain amount of budget that's under my discretion. And I use all of it to travel with the students. So. Oh. 
Yeah, I actually um, had a question that's kind of like relevant here. Um, I I had, you know, like small little career. I don't I don't know what to call it, but I, I was in a uh, public school choir um, as I was growing up. And it was always a really big struggle to fund these trips and compete, you know, in con- competitions. Um, and just like this big push to fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, kind of like what you were talking about, how is this navigated at Cal State Long Beach? Um, are students responsible <clears throat> for paying for the trips? It depends on the trip. If the if we're representing the university at a national conference, for example, um, we find the budget to fund the entire trip. So maybe students would be responsible for their food, but we pay the hotel and the airfare and the, you know, the transportation back and forth between the airport and wherever the hotel that we're at. If we're taking an overseas trip in the summer, which is not part of the academic year, then we do our best to make sure that every student who wants to go can go. So I always start this way. I say this trip costs $4,000 and we're going to make it so that it costs each of you $2,000 through our fundraising and through um, the endowment. Please let me know if you can make that $2,000 work. And if you can't, um, tell me what you can make work. And so, and I usually have that conversation in September before, say, a, a June trip. So students will come back to me and they'll say, yeah, you know, I talked to my family or I'm looking at my budget and really I can probably make $1,000 work. Then we fundraise an extra $1,000 for that student or we find the budget. So we don't leave anybody behind. I mean, that's really part of the ethos. And of course, um, at the public school level, that's the law, right? You can't leave anybody behind in California K-12. At the university, it's different, but we don't out of, out of a, just out of a moral obligation to make sure that everybody who's in the ensemble has a chance to to be a part of what what makes being a music major at, at the Bob Cole Conservatory such a joy. That's incredibly reassuring to hear. Yeah, I was curious. Um, I wanted to hear about you and your past and uh, what your introduction to music was and how you became the... Wow. <laughs> I, um, I should have finished that sentence because I'm not sure what you were going to say. Uh, how I became what? Oh, the yeah. choral director. I okay. I mean, I started singing as a kid. My mom loved to sing. My sister loved to sing. Um, I began playing piano when I was three or four years old, not seriously, and started taking piano lessons at 12. I, I sang in choir in elementary, middle school, and high school. Um, I was really active in musical theater growing up, and um, I took voice lessons starting when I was 15, and basically took voice lessons without stopping between 15 and 30. So kind of 15 years of studying the instrument. Um, I started college as a theater arts major at Pepperdine University. And um, I went to Pepperdine, quite frankly, because they see, they saw me perform at a conference of the International Thespians Association and offered me a full ride to go to school there. And it just took all the stress off of where am I going to go to school. But um, I was at Pepperdine for um, exactly a week when the choir director um, approached me. He was a really, really well-respected choir director named Roger Wagner. In fact, you mentioned the Master Chorale earlier. He was the founder of the Los Angeles Master Chorale. And uh, like I said, I was a theater arts major, but I've been a choir kid my whole life. And so I auditioned and got into the choir. And um, after the second rehearsal, he called me up to the podium and said, hey, what's your name? And I said, Jonathan. And he said, what's your major? And I said, it's theater arts. And he said, that's stupid. And, and I said, really? <laughs> like I was, I was shocked. And, you know, like most 18 year olds, I had a bit of an ego at that point. And I said, I, I really like theater. I think I'm pretty good at it. He goes, nah, he said, you know what kind of people are miserable? 
actors. Actors are miserable people. You know who's happy? Choir directors. He said, you can trust me. I've been in Hollywood my whole life. He said, you're a good musician. You're a good reader. You're a good singer. You really pay attention in choir. I can feel the energy from you. You should really try conducting. And, you know, at that point I said, well, I was, I was the assistant conductor of my high school magical group. He's like, so you have some experience. Great. I'll see you at my office on Thursday. And you I'm did gonna not give, have a choice. I'm going to give you some lessons. Yeah. yeah. I, I really <laughs> – and honestly, I didn't feel like I had a choice. So I went to his office and the end of that week I went to the dean's office and asked if I could keep my scholarship if I changed my major from um, theater arts to music. And and the dean said, oh, absolutely. You know, you're still in the college here at Pepperdine. So, you know, wh- whatever you want to study, you study. You know, we know you're going to – we know you're going to you're, – you're here on scholarship because we expected you to be a part of the musical culture of the campus and the theater culture. And we know you're going to do those things. And so I was. And I am um, – and I loved it, and I really loved Pepperdine. <clears throat> and then in January, Roger said to me, hey, I need to talk to you. I'm going to retire after this year for reals. And then he said, so you're going to go to Chapman. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm, I'm quite happy here at Pepperdine. And he said, no, actually, you you need to go to Chapman. <laughs> he said, you don't know who the choir director is going to be here next year. It'll be a one-year interim, and they'll do, a, they'll do a national search. And so for two years of your four years of college – you won't be getting any real serious training probably. He's like, you need to go to Chapman. William Hall, who's the conductor at Chapman, is a really well-respected pedagogue for conducting and the choirs are great. And I've called him and they can't match your scholarship at Pepperdine, but they can give you a good scholarship because I couldn't have afforded a private school. I mean, I just knew that at that point. And um, I said, but I don't want to go to Chapman because I grew up in Orange. And, you know, if I go to Chapman, then I have to live at home. And he said, well... That's the best choice for you. He said, so talk to your parents and work it out, but you need to go to Chapman. And once again, I, like you said, I didn't feel like I had a choice. He was, he was incredibly influential. Oh, yeah, yeah. The most influential in terms of setting me on the path. Yeah. Um, without question. Um, but he was right. The thing is, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't look like my voice. You know, I don't, I have a, a, a really, at that point in my life, I had a really sweet baritone Broadway musical voice, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm short and very brown and you weren't getting hired to do leading roles in musical theater in the eighties and nineties, you know, unless you were tall and handsome and, and more Aryan looking than I am. And so he saw that he knew that I wasn't going to get the kind of work that I wanted to do. And he saw that I had a different talent and he redirected me towards where that other talent was. And I've been grateful ever since, you know? Wow. That, that is um, a sad reality, at least of the past. I, I think it's changed. I mean, sure, it still exists in Hollywood to a degree, mm-hmm. but especially in opera and musical theater. I mean, you know, it, I think that people are casting the best singer actors regardless of their ethnic background if they're the right person for the role. What, what you told me, um, was that something that you had known at the time that he was trying to like spare you from? Well, it started with the actor. It started with the actors are miserable people conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I I actually, I remembered having a conversation with him because I was in the chorus. They were doing Anything Goes. And I, I couldn't dance. I mean, I'm just not a dancer. And Anything Goes is a tap show. Yeah. And um, so I was in the chorus. And I said, I, you know, I really thought I had a good chance at this other role in the show. And he's like, you don't. No, you don't. You don't look like that. <laughs> and, and it's just a reality. Like, you know, I mean, the, you don't have control over casting yeah. and um, you can, you have, you can have a lot of control over how good of an actor you are or, or how good of a singer or, or how good of a dancer, but what you look like 
plays a, a big role in what roles mm-hmm. <laughs> you get cast in, yeah. whether it's theater or, or television. And it just doesn't matter as a conductor. And I think, you know, Roger was just so, um, he was able to convince me that that was really the, the, the best role for me and that, that mm-hmm. I'd be happy, you know. And I think yeah. I've spent my whole life in the arts. You know, I've never been out of the arts since I was in in middle school. And I did my first paid production when I was 15. Um, and I've never taken more than three weeks off in my whole life from the arts. But I think for me, music was the right decision and, and yeah. being being on the production end, the, the conducting part. But now I've just leaned into the, the classical choral thing because that's really my greatest love and probably what, what I'm the best at. Thank you. Thanks for telling me about all of that. Um, yeah, kind of, um, you know, you opened up about your mentor and what led you down this path. Um, I was curious, um, is there anything from... Uh, their teaching style that you adopted, something that was also very inspiring to you? Well, let me say that Roger, I don't think of Roger as my principal mentor. I think of him as the guy who got me on the on the path. I think the thing that I learned from Roger, well, there's two things that I learned from him. One is that you have to really know the music. That, you, that, that A conductor's number one job is, in Roger's words, to know how the, know what you want to hear and know how to get it. So you have to know the music, you have to know the actual score, and then you have to have the teaching skills, the conducting skills, and the, and the spoken skills to explain, to teach, and then to conduct to the ensemble what it is that you want them to do. And I did learn that from Roger. You know, he was really clear about that in my lessons right from the beginning. My main, my main mentor was William Hall, who was the, the, con, the conductor at Chapman. And I was with him for three years of undergrad. And he had a wonderful choir, the William Hall Master Chorale. And um, he uh, he was the dean at Chapman. He taught at Chapman for well over 50 years. He just passed away in the fall. In fact, his memorial is next month, and I'm conducting for it. So um, he's, he's – well, they named the conservatory after him at Chapman. So that he was that influential, not just on me, but on a lot of other people studied at, at Chapman. Like Roger said, he was really a, a pedagogue of conducting. He understood the art and was great at teaching. <clears throat> um, from him, I, I learned how to run a rehearsal. I learned how invaluable humor is with with groups of people that you have to make jokes and that the best jokes are where you pick on yourself, <laughs> but not pick on people in the ensemble because people in the ensemble will be sensitive if you pick on them in front of their colleagues. Mm. And I learned that from him sometimes in reverse. Um because it was not uncommon for him to really um, to single out members of, of the choir. And I, and I try to do that a lot less, only, only really when absolutely necessary to make the music what it is. And I think it's really different to say to a soprano, hey, can you adjust your vowel here so that we have a great blend, than to say, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what sound you're making, but it doesn't blend with everybody else, which might have been the way that that, that would have been approached by some of my mentors. Um, but I did learn... A tremendous amount at Chapman, and um, it was a wonderful place for me to go to school. Thank you. So I'm going to move on to a little um, segment here. Um, we're recording this on the first day of February. Um, so yesterday, I went down to the Bob Cole Conservatory and kind of pestered, kind of like, the students were incredibly sweet. I don't think I pestered them. But um, I wanted to hear about their experiences, their own experience at the Cal State Long Beach Choir Department. Um, some of them chose to remain anonymous, but I'm just going to be reading off what they said. Um, so a senior vocal performance major says, quote, 
As a transfer student, it was definitely hard to learn and manage the workload. But honestly, to be in Talbert's Chamber Choir, it has really helped me on a mental health level just to have that community of a choir. I do feel like I learn a lot as a choral student from him and how to interpret pieces the way that he views music in general. It's something more than just singing notes from a paper. Another student, vocal performance major, a senior, asks, quote, how do you choose the music for the year? Do you think about the students or do you think about the students fitting the rep? I'm assuming that's repertoire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, rep is a, a short thing that we use. I am so... Wow, that's such a great question. It's something that I teach a lot at conferences around the country is how do how do we choose music? I always think about the students and um, I always think about what will challenge my students and help them to grow as individual artists. I also take the role of teaching at a conservatory really seriously. So I try to make sure that we're doing a certain amount of songs that are from the repertoire of the last thousand years of choral music. Choral music is the the longest surviving written form of art music. So that, you know, at least in the Western culture, we have written down choral music, you know, that goes back a thousand years. Um, And and so I like to make sure that we've got some Brahms in there, that we've got some Beethoven or, or Bach, and that we've got some Hildegard von Bingen or some Clara Schumann or, you know, different composers who have come through the centuries with people saying, this person is a good composer. Um, you know, time filters out things that aren't very good. As the years have gone on, I have tried really hard to balance out the repertoire that I choose with some um, understanding that almost all of the canonic music was written by men. And so I try to choose repertoire by women as well, and I try to to choose repertoire by composers of color um, because... In the, hist- in the history of music, there's not a lot of repertoire by women or by composers of color. That's not to say that there's none. I just guest conducted on a concert this weekend um, where I chose seven pieces all by women. Um, and, and so, and that's something that I wasn't trained to do. That, that's just the way that the world has changed over the last, um, you know, two decades as we understand that um, without really actively trying to raise up women's voices and voices of people of color, that maybe their repertoire doesn't get done as much. So I try to do that when I'm choosing repertoire for Long Beach. And of course, I try to choose repertoire that the audience will enjoy because ultimately we're singing for people. Um, So I want to choose music that the audience will like, and I want to choose music that's of value to the students. That means good text. That means interesting harmony. That means rhythmic challenges. And um, it means something that that will touch them artistically, you know. And so I'm, I'm a great believer, as, as the student that you talked to yesterday mentioned, um, that, that music is more than notes on a page and that, that all music is an expression of our hearts and our souls and, and aspirations or even just a reflection of the world that we live in. So I try to reflect the world that my students live in. I do a lot of music by new composers, um, but I pick my favorite stuff from old composers too. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. The last comment I had was from a first year. Uh, she chose to share her name. Her name is Aria Gunn. Okay. And she says, quote, the program is really good. This is my first year. So coming into it, it was a lot. But Dr. Talberg, the way he teaches is straight on and he expects you to know his stuff, but it's strict in a good way. Um, the feedback she had to share and kind of 
relating to that, I had a question. Um, how do you adjust your um, model of teaching to ensure that the learning environment is a safe space um, in a field that very regularly requires a very direct uh, criticism at certain points? You know, that's a great question. I think the word critique as used in the artistic realm is the open and honest feedback from a skilled and trained professional towards somebody who is aspiring to be better. That's not always going to feel safe. You know, we use the word safe space. I'm never going to attack somebody for being a human being in my class. I don't, you know, there's no, there's no bigotry in my class. There, it's a safe place in terms of the words that we use. And, you know, but I have to give honest feedback. If somebody doesn't, hasn't done their work, I will say to them, Ari is a great example because she does her work. But if she didn't do her work, I'd say, hey, Ari, you need to go to the practice room and le learn that. That's not going to feel safe if you hear that from your professor. But that's okay. That's what makes you better. We still need to challenge people's ideas. And we still need to challenge people's um, work ethic. And we still need to challenge people's practice habits. Um, and otherwise, what are people coming to college for, right? Receptive to growth. Yeah. They, it, you have to have a growth mindset. If you're going to be an artist, you have to have a growth mindset. And if you're going to teach choir, you have to have a, I mean, I have learned so much over my years of teaching. You know, when I first started teaching, if we say, if I wanted to hear the basses and tenors sing, we'd say, uh, you know, men, let me hear you sing. Well, now we say basses and tenors because I have, I have basses and tenors who don't identify as being men, even though that's where their voice lies. Right. Um, and so if I didn't have a growth mindset and I have colleagues who don't have that growth mindset and, and think the whole conversation about, um, you know, whatever our non-traditional gender words is dumb, well, then I would be alienating some of my students. And that that's where, you know, the term safe space makes sense to me is to make sure that my students feel safe in their, in their emotional health. But I'm not going to hold back on legitimate criticism. If the basses are singing flat, I'm going to say basses, you're flat. And the truth is that the better the choir is, the stronger the singers are in it, the more direct I am with my criticism mm -hmm. because they can handle it. You know, if it's a, if it's a beginning group, I'm never going to, I'm never going to um, call out individual singers at the college level. I'm going to work with the whole section. I'm going to move people around, try different things. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if I, you've got a student whose ultimate goal is to sing at the Metropolitan Opera, she deserves to know if she's not singing in tune or if she's doing some sort of a weird vowel, or if her French pronunciation is wrong. I mean, these are things that I correct as a conductor um, and I think are really important. So, um, you know, for you as an educator, what would you say your goal is for the students that are within the choir program at the beach? Um, like long-term, you know, their career goals. Um, and for, you know, students that have already graduated, uh, what are some notable places that they have gone to, even if it was separate from the traditional choir industry? Sure. My goal is that a student would sit down when they start at Long Beach and say, this is where I'd like to be in five years, and this is where I'd like to be in 10 years, and that my teaching helps them to get to those places. So if that means I'm helping them become a more proficient musician, that's great. If I'm helping them become a better singer, that's wonderful. If I'm teaching them to teach choir, that's great. If I'm helping them learn how to get to class on time and to be responsible um, as a member of a team culture, then I think that's really important. I, I, I really think that 
choir supports people in all of their life goals. I have a student right now who's a mechanical engineering major, in, and he's in my top choir. And, um, you know, what is he getting out of choir that relates to mechanical engineering? I'm not sure. But what I do know is that he's working in a group, that he has a, a team mentality, that he brings a can-do attitude to choir every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that he has a really beautiful spirit that lifts up the whole group. And so I see him as a team leader, you know, even though he's not a music major. That's wonderful. I think that's like, that really speaks too to like the enjoyment of the arts, the participation of the arts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the second question, where have my students gone yeah. from Long Beach State? Um, you know, they've done everything. So we have, this year we're celebrating, um, we're celebrating Sangeeta Kaur, who won the Grammy Award last year for best um, for best classical performance. She was a singer at Long Beach in the uh, maybe 2008, 2009. She went from Long Beach to the Boston Conservatory and then has had a wonderful career. But I also have a student who went from Long Beach State. Uh, this is Dr. Elizabeth Schumann. She went from Long Beach State. She did a master's at Cal State Fullerton in anatomy. I think it was a master's. It might have just been a one-year program. But then she went to medical school at the University of California, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. She studied to be a, a, um, a voice doc, and she's now in private practice in Los Angeles as a wonderful soprano. She's a spectacular singer who's also a physician. Um, we've had students, so many students have gone off and become teachers. There's, there's lots of students that are kind of in that realm where they've graduated and they're, they're doing the thing that they came here to do. Thank you so much. Um, as a last uh, bit question, um, is there anything in the upcoming future that you would like to direct the people to to come support choir? Oh, absolutely. So I, I would encourage you guys to come to our, our concerts that are, that are coming up. Mm. Um, we have one in March. I think it's March 15th. That's a Friday night at, at Los Altos United Methodist Church, which is, you know, just right um, down the street from, from Cal State Long Beach. And then we have another one at the end of April, um, and that one is going to be a really kind of a, a spiritual concert. It's going to be music to, to lift, lift your heart, and um, I'm super excited about that one. And that's April 19th. So, yeah, people should follow our, our CSULB underscore BCCM page, CSULB underscore BCCM, and then we have choirs at BCCM. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Talberg. It was my pleasure. Thanks for talking. Your, yeah. your questions were great, and I really appreciated a chance to share with you how much I love teaching choir at Long Beach. It was, it was great to be able to learn more about it. Thanks. Thank you. If you want to hear more from Long Beach's own contributors of art and music or follow along for future conversations, check out our website, daily49er.com, and our socials at daily 49 er to support our choir program on campus and hear their upcoming announcement for performances, check out at CSU Long Beach underscore BCCM and choirs at BCCM on Instagram. We appreciate you being here. Take care and see you soon.